Right, Isaiah chapter 9, I'm just going to read a verse that I read this morning. It's very familiar to you all. It was read even tonight uh, with one of the children. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Amen. Christmas time is very important. The advent of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of those uh, calendar dates uh, that all Christians should observe, uh, reminding us that the Son of God came into this world. And uh, the reason why he came, of course, was wonderful. So this morning we took this scripture and uh, we spent uh, some time talking about the wonder of our Lord Jesus Christ. And specifically this morning we talked about the wonder of his birth. And there was various aspects of that. We talked about it was wonderful in a biological way. And how that he was born of a virgin. And how that God clothed himself in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And then we talked about how it was wonderful in a chronological way. Not just the nature of it, but the very timing of it. And how that God sent His Son at the most appropriate time in history. Some people say, wouldn't it be wonderful if He came today? Well, God is a God of ultimate wisdom. And in His wisdom, He decided that that particular time was the best time. And it actually was. And we looked into that, the reasons for that. And then we discovered it was wonderful in a genealogical way and uh, how that Christ was promised and prophesied hundreds of years ago that he would come in his first advent and then the, how we followed that, how that happened through the ages. And then, of course, it was wonderful in a sociological way and the impact of it and how impact that not only individuals concerned but communities and a whole nation and then, of course, the whole world. And so I want to just briefly tonight just share along a little bit, roughly the same lines, and we want to talk about how he was wonderful, not only in his birth, but wonderful in his life. Disciples said when he calmed the stormy sea, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the very waves obey him? Nature was at his back and call. Of course, he was the creator of the ends of the earth. The Bible says that without him is not anything made that was made. And in those special moments and occasions, he would show that he had complete mastery even over all nature. He was wonderful in his life. Did you ever consider that Jesus never ever spoke one idle word? Never once. You and I talk a lot of nonsense at times, don't we? Did you ever catch yourself on talking nonsense? Did you ever stop yourself and say, what in the world am I talking about? That's a load of nonsense. Did you ever do that? Am I the only one ever does that? All right, you're all looking very religious looking at me tonight. Very pious looking. I think you think that sometimes too. But Jesus never actually said one idle word. Never made one single mistake. Never sinned one sin in all of his life. He was absolutely perfect. 
Even Pilate, standing trying him, says, I find no fault in this man. Pilate's wife said, have nothing to do with this just man. Even the thief on the cross said, we deserve what we're getting, but this man has done nothing amiss. Jesus said that the prince of this world comes, meaning the devil, but he is nothing in me. Nothing. He's the only one who could say that. He's absolutely wonderful. He turned tears into joy. He turned fear into faith. He turned sickness into health. Failure into success. Mourning into dancing. He's wonderful in his life. He was wonderful in his words. The people said he spoke with authority, not as the scribes. You know, they were used to the rabbis. They were in the marketplace. They were underneath the shade of the tree. They would walk past. They'd hear their teachings. But none of them spoke with authority. And they were forever quoting somebody else. But when Jesus came along, he spoke such words that they had never heard before. And they said, this man speaks with real authority. And he did. Think about some of the things that he preached. He was a marvelous preacher. Think about the Beatitudes, those beautiful attitudes, those blessed are. Think about all of those wonderful, beautiful things that he said. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, Jesus was such a captivating speaker that there was 5,000 people listened to him for three days. And they were hungry, but they just couldn't leave. They just wanted to hear more and more because he was so unlike anybody they'd ever listened to. And so they waited with him for three days. Jesus' teaching on such things as love was so radical that nobody had ever heard anything like it. In Matthew chapter 5, let me show you how radical this is. Verse 43 of Matthew 5, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How hard is that? You can't do that in your own strength, sure you can't. And so when Jesus came along teaching these things that was so radical, they'd never ever heard anything like this. Such wonderful words. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. But if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do this? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What wonderful words Jesus spoke. Whenever Jesus taught in forgiveness, nobody had ever heard what he had said before. Peter says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Seven times? I mean, that was way over the top. And Peter thought, well, I'll give it a good shot here. I'll say seven times. 
nobody expect me to forgive seven times. Jesus says, well, I didn't say seven times, but 70 times seven. I think if you'd forgiven somebody 490 times, actually, I think you'd have stopped counting long ago. And that was the point he was making. As long as someone seeks forgiveness, he said, forgive them. His teachings were wonderful. He was wonderful in his words. He was wonderful in his works. Wouldn't you love to have been there at that wedding in Cana of Galilee? Wouldn't you love to have been there knowing that those water pots were filled with plain, ordinary water? And knowing that Jesus, having told them just to pour out to actually see that in an instant, what would take nature months to do in an instant, that water blushed red and it became the best wine they had ever tasted. Wouldn't you love to have been there? Wouldn't you love to have been there whenever Jesus took that little lunch from that little boy and he just broke it into pieces and he fed 5,000 people? Wouldn't that have been lovely? Would you not have been amazed? Well, you know, I said, this is absolutely wonderful. Well, of course they did. Wouldn't it have been lovely to see the blind see and the lame walk, the deaf hear and the dumb speak and the lepers cleansed? Wouldn't it have been marvelous to see Jesus walking upon the water? You see, he was wonderful in all of his works. Wouldn't you like to have been there the day that Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus? Wouldn't that have been exciting? And he told him to roll away the stone. And then he just stood there and he says, Lazarus, come forth. The hairs would have stood in the back of your neck. Your eyes have been out like organ stops. And suddenly, that man who had been dead four days, covered in grave clothes, comes walking out of the tomb. Wouldn't that have been wonderful? It's wonderful in his life, and he was wonderful in his words, and he was wonderful in his works. But he was wonderful in his death. He was wonderful in his death. We know, by experience, we know that we are death-doomed, that we are mortal creatures, that eventually we will all die. We know that. Nobody has to convince any of us of that. But did you know that Jesus was immortal? He was not death doomed in his body? Did you know that Jesus, because he had no sin, there was no death working in him? Did you know that Jesus had to give his life? Did you know that no man could take his life from him? He was like no other. Somebody could take our lives or we could simply die. But Jesus couldn't die unless and until he gave his life. And this is the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 19, he tells us of these things. I think these children are doing exceptionally well. I think they're better behaved than some of you when I'm preaching. Because I look down and I see some of you sleeping sometimes. 
Jesus standing before Pilate in John chapter 19, Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and a power to release you? He says, do you not know that? Do you not know who I really am? Do you not know that I have the power of the sword? Do you not know my position in this country? Do you not know that I could actually just snap my fingers and you would live or die according to my dictate? And actually that was true in the natural. Pilate had that power of the sword to do that. But Jesus said, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, listen, you think you have that power over me? Actually, you don't, except it has been given you. And that's the only reason you can say that, because it's been given. Who gave him that power? Ultimately, God gave him that power. The Bible says the powers that be are ordained of God. And then in John chapter 10, just back a little bit. In verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Did you notice that? The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then verse 17, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So Jesus is letting us know in no uncertain terms that no one could have taken his life except by his permission, except by the fact that he actually laid it down. He put himself into their hands. In John chapter uh, 19, again. Jesus is dying on the cross in verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Just doesn't say he died. It says he gave up his spirit. So what is this saying? It's saying that Christ was in total control of life and of death, of his life and his death. So he was wonderful in his death. But he was wonderful, finally, in his resurrection. Once Jesus said on that cross, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Once that happened, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost, Nothing in heaven and earth and under the earth could stop him rising from the grave. Nothing could stop that. Not one thing could stop that. He was wonderful in his resurrection. He was wonderful in his birth. He was wonderful in his life. He was wonderful in his words. He was wonderful in his walk. He was wonderful. No wonder we praise him. No wonder we love him. No wonder we desire to serve him all the days of our lives. You know, many of us this year, as always, will 
be giving and receiving gifts. And that's fine. And some of you will get some surprises. Some of the surprises you'll like, some of the surprises you'll not like. Some of the surprises you'll keep, some will go into Joyce's charity shop in January on the side. But the greatest gift that you could ever be given this Christmas is the gift of eternal life. And do you know what? God offered you this gift last year and you didn't take it. In fact, he's offered you every single day since then and you still haven't taken it. And it's a free gift. It's the best gift that you'll ever receive in your entire life. It'll change your whole life forever, for all eternity. It's the best gift. And the Bible calls it the gift because you can't earn it and you don't deserve it. But it's a gift from God to you. I refused that gift for years, like some of you. But one night, I could refuse no longer. And I said, Lord, I want you to come into my life. Do you know over this past few weeks, there's been a number of people that's prayed that prayer right in this building. Lord, come into my life. Save my eternal soul. And God was good and true to his word and he saved their eternal soul because God is good like that. And so this Christmas time, this is what it's about, isn't it? This is the thing you think of all the time. What can I buy somebody? What gift can I give somebody? Well, God's given you the greatest gift. It's absolutely free. And it came 2,000 years ago and was born in a little manger. What a gift. The gift of life that God has given. We're going to pray. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to receive this gift of life, then right where you sit, in your heart of hearts, I want you to pray this prayer. A young man prayed this prayer just a couple of weeks ago. He's in the service tonight. And you can pray this prayer with me. Now, I can't save you. Only God can do that. And I can't pray this prayer for you. I can just lead you in it. But if you want to become a Christian, a true born-again Christian, you say, well, I know lots of people who profess to be Christians. They're a bunch of hypocrites. But you don't have to be that way. <laughs> you can be a real Christian. You can show them how to live as a true Christian. And if you pray this prayer, then tell somebody about it. Confess it to somebody. Go out of here and tell somebody. And say, I've given my life to Christ. It's never going to be the same again. That's the best gift that you'll ever get in your entire life. So we're going to pray. Here's a simple little prayer that you can pray with me. Are you ready? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now as I am with all my faults, my feelings, my sins, and I give myself to you. Take my life. Forgive me my sins. 
Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and save my eternal soul. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he gave his life for me in the cross. And now I believe that and I accept that and I receive that truth into my life tonight. Forgive me and save me and make me a true believer in Jesus. For I ask it in his name. Amen.